Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who loves himself better than you. He knows it's wrong, so what should he do? Here's my co-host from the left coast and the man who'd rather be dead than cool. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. He was a referral from Tim and Eric of the Alternate Roots. And a unanimous referral, by the way. Both Tim and Eric said we needed to have you on. So please welcome to the podcast, musician David Bourdais. What's up, guys? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here talking to y'all. So uh, I, I, I watched your, your uh, Facebook Live or Instagram Live or whatever we're calling it. So I guess you're back in Nashville? I am. I've uh, been back in Nashville uh, since June 1st. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk more about the uh, Instagram Live. I got some questions for you. So. Uh, okay. I, I may have answers. All right, here we go. So premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. So I'm going to start with Wayne. What t-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a, a Mud Honey shirt. I tried to get a Melvin shirt in time and I couldn't. So I think okay. Mud Honey is probably one of their contemporaries that kind of had a similar sound. Very much so. All right. How about you, David? What t-shirt are you wearing? Um I'm not sure if you've gotten this one yet, uh, but being uh, upstairs in my studio at my house where I, do, I don't get any air in this room unless I turn on the window unit, which is so loud that I, I can't have it on right now. So I am currently shirtless, which is my, <laughs> which is my, yes. and, and like I already was whenever, you know, you, you know, uh, spoiler, you gave me the heads up where, you know, we were going to talk about our shirts, but in, in the meantime, I've just been sitting in the same spot. So I was like, well, you know. I'll be most cozy like this. This is this is my mostly my summer state anyway in the South. As yeah. um, we all are in Orlando, so or, or I know you are Ben. Uh, I am, yeah. Wayne, 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 where are you? Wayne's up in Tacoma area. Yeah, no, okay. So it may it, it, you're still in the uh, you know the breeding ground of uh, what we're talking about today, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm shirtless in in some in some jorts, and that is how I'm living uh, this day. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so I am I'm wearing a few years ago my uh, my kids for birthday and Father's Day uh, bought me a couple Nirvana shirts. So I'm wearing one of my Nirvana shirts. Yes. So. What and what is on the shirt? Uh, you know, it's one of those ones that you can get like at a Target or a uh, Hot Topic. It's uh, it's just essentially the 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 smiley face who the smiley. has um, yeah. Well, not so not so smiley. I mean, the the drunken the drunken yes. smiley. What do they call it? it? Has like a thing. I feel like I don't know what the, the Nirvana logo. I, I don't know, know. Wayne. Wayne, do you know what what? Uh, yeah, they I might didn't. Call that? I, I yeah, I've never heard. Maybe it, okay. maybe it doesn't. I always call it the drunken smiley, I guess. There you go. Yeah, it fits. Yeah. All right. So, um, so, so David, before I start with you, I got, I got something that I need to get off my chest with my co-host. All right. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't fight too much in front of me. No, no, no. It's it's not really much of a fight other than it's just a, a lament on my part. So, 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 you know, Wayne, that I'm fairly active on Twitter and Facebook. So I'm always trying to build up our audience and keep them interactive. And you, you man, our Instagram page. 
I think I know where this is going. You might post there like twice a week. And I post like 200 times a month on Twitter. Um, so you posted about our recent episode about Echo and the Bunnymen's Ocean Rain that we did with Matthew Cause from Not a Surf. And like, I can't even think the, about the last time we had an artist that we talked about their record as the theme of the episode where they retweeted or they liked it or they posted about it. Cause I like, I figured maybe the gin blossoms would retweet about our episode that we did or the Straubs or even the smoking popes. You post about echo and the bunny men and Ian McCulloch likes your post. <laughs> Uh, I, and you know what? I do that all the time. I'll just tag the, I tag you and then I tag the guest and then I, so, and sometimes I tag the the featured artist and I've never gotten any, I was, I was as surprised as you when Ian McCulloch liked my post, Yeah, but you just got to try, just got to, just got to throw I, it out there. See what happens. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I know. Uh, well, I still have, I still have some likes from Lloyd Cole and Amy Mann. Um, there you go. But again, the percentages are definitely in your favor. Yeah. Because like you post 10 times a month as opposed to my 200 times a month. And then you get <laughs> Ian McCulloch to like. It's about post. quality, not quantity. I guess. All right. All right, David. Sorry. Rant is over. <laughs> that's okay. Congratulations, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's big. That's big news. Yeah. So, so David, are you active on the old social media? Um, I'm a, I'm a member of, of the society. I would say I, I'm, I'm there, uh, active, um, on and off. I, uh, I'll take, I delete and redownload Instagram probably more than anybody on the planet. Like <laughs> it gives me one more step not to like, I'm just a sucker for sitting there and, and scrolling. You know, I think I, I have like, I have a scroll thumb, uh, yeah where it just like starts to hurt and like I, I could, and so I have to delete it a lot and try not to become too attached to what I put on there and the response to it. It's, it's not the greatest mental thing for me, the socials like this, like you're mad for, you're, you're kind of upset for no reason just because, you know, this, uh, this guy like went post, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's just, it seems to just add a lot of like unnecessary, uh, negative feelings. To I'm, I'm just, I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. That's You're really jealous. what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, cause, yeah. cause I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, if we had to compare, I'm way more of a echo in the Bunnyman fan than Wayne is. Okay. No doubt. So if you yeah. could, me- if you measure it's starting it. to sound like sour grapes now. <laughs> oh, I'm totally jealous. Totally jealous. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. But I, uh, social media. Yes. I, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I mostly am on Instagram. Like I don't have a personal Facebook page for the last, uh, it's been a few years and that has been fantastic. Um, I yeah. must say good for the mind. Uh, and I hear people talk a lot about these people that they see on their Facebook that they like grew up with saying crazy stuff. And, I just, I'm like, oh, there's pretty crisp up here. Like, I don't follow anyone on Instagram. I don't really, uh, I don't know or like enjoy, but I can still get sucked in for hours. Um, and just wonder you have Instagram thumb. Is that like Nintendo thumb back in the day? Yeah, I think it is. It's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've scrolled so much in a day that like uh, my, my thumb starts to hurt. (laughs) So that was a long answer of yes, I am on social media. 
All right, perfect. All right, well, I brought up the alternate route. So, um, and and we talked before we got on on uh, the recording that you checked out the episode about Abbey Road. Yes. What what would have been your top score on Abbey Road? Oh, all right. Let me hold. On. Let me let me leave. Let me leave. Never mind for a second. Uh, my mine mine would be something. Uh, uh, just off the you know gut reaction. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I think ended up was that or 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 I think was that it was I think that was our top score our golden slumbers maybe it was like one of those I feel like was your top I don't know um, I enjoyed that episode so much I mean I could have talked about it uh, uh, probably you know four or five other Beatles records you know when when listening to that one made me want to a bit but I decided yeah. to. Golden Slumbers, Golden Slumbers was one and something was two. Okay. Yeah. So I I was pretty, I agreed with a lot. I really love she came into the bathroom window. That was like one that I would have like had probably the highest of anyone. Um, I think one I had a really high. I had it pretty high. That's one of my favorite songs. Same. Like I, I just, uh, I'm in love with it. Um, yeah. But that was, uh, that was, that was such a great listen. And those guys are, um, they're just so sharp and their musical taste. They have, they have a very fine musical palette, I would say. And they don't, they don't like bull crud, you know? Right. Uh, and, so. you, and you did a song with, with Eric Donnelly. Uh, yeah. Eric called, and I, a little yes. bit different, a little bit different. Eric and I did together for a, uh, it's actually on a charity record called, uh, we, we all play a festival down on St. George Island, Florida. Um, which is on the panhandle, like in between, uh, kind of like south of Tallahassee, east yeah. of uh, Panama City. Anyway, it's just this little fishing magic island that we play a festival on that raises money for uh, pediatric brain cancer, all these cool things called Rock by the Sea. And Eric and I, we got we got put together to write for this record. At, and um, he's a genius writer. And then Tim and I actually wrote uh, – my first uh, song on my the EP I put out in 2016 called Young and Foolish. It was like a, a local, it got played on like local radio and stuff. So I owe a lot to those guys. I, I owe a lot. I met, I, I'll, I'll tell the story really quick because it's really good. Yeah. Because um, yeah. Tim, and as like how worlds collide, Tim uh, and well, the alternate roots, Tim and Eric, uh, Tim Warren, Eric Donnelly, great band. I'm plugging them again if you haven't listened to the podcast. They, uh, <laughs> When I was a when I was in college in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I grew up, I was uh, drinking at a bar that had like a. Uh, this was around 2004, and you could it was one of those nights where you could pay like five dollars and just drink forever. Like this is what still went on in these times. Uh, and so there was like a keg night at a at a club, and there was a, two bands passing through. One band was a band called Sons of William, which I I, I knew of because. Uh, with this guy named Joe Stark, who was a great musician in Louisiana, and they were on tour with a band uh, called The Alternate Roots. So I saw them in 2004 play at this bar, and I didn't talk to the band or anything. And I, I was a I was a musician at the time, but I was just playing in cover gigs in college. And um, it was the first album I ever bought on iTunes was their first album, Alternate Roots, Good and Reckless and True, and. I just was such a fan. It's a great sounding record. A guy named Jay Joyce produced it, who went on to produce uh, a bunch of, uh, he did Cage the Elephant records and he did Eric Church records and country music. Yeah. And um, 
I just became a fan of this band for years. They're, they had a, uh, their next record I loved, and my sister and I really loved the song Desdemona. And mm, we and, talked about that. Yeah, yeah I, and uh, yeah, I heard you talk about that. And so, flash fast forward 2010, I moved to Nashville to pursue, you know, the dream, quote unquote. And I'm yeah. drinking at a, a bar again. Uh, I do this a lot in a bar called Losers, and Tim Warren walked in. And I said, Hey, you're, you're the singer for the alternate roots. And he says, no one has ever recognized me in Nashville. And he goes, I'm going to buy, and he said, I'm going to buy you a beer. So he had just moved to town to make a solo record. And I just moved to town to, to figure stuff out. So we started, we became like buds over the summer of 2010 and he's become a brother uh, to me. And he's really introduced me to a lot of most of the world, a lot of the world of like gigging I do, which is a lot through a lot of like their community, um, house shows and all that. And, mm-hmm. uh, I got to know Eric after that and was, you know, got to go to Tim's wedding. He's just, he's become my brother. So I love those guys and it was awesome. It's just been an awesome friendship. And when they both said my name at the end of the episode, I got a little, I got a little emotional. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. And, and Tim's really like, he's made me believe that I could do like when I met Tim, I was just, uh, I was singing and I was a bar singer for, you know, from that's how I came up playing music was I got my first gig in a bar at 18 and then played cover songs, did that in Nashville, even at that bar losers is where I ended up getting gig, which is hilarious. Yeah. And he was always the guy that told me I could write songs and record them and it, w- it would be good. So I owe a lot to those guys. Is losers on Broadway? Losers is not. It's in uh, Midtown, um, which okay. is on Division Street, if you're familiar with like the yep. strips. Okay, so you Losers on Division. Uh, they built Winners next door. <laughs> and when I'm, <laughs> this is real. So when I moved to town in 2010, I, uh, another Louisiana uh, acquaintance was pl- was the house band leader at this bar. So eventually I kind of got started getting plugged in and uh, I, I got a gig at Losers uh, from on Monday, Tuesday, Acoustic. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was full band. And um, Wednesday, I played it Winner's Acoustic. This was from like uh, 2010 to 2015. Uh, so I was entrenched in this world. And Losers was owned by George Strait's manager. And it's just kind of a neighborhood bar. So, and right by Music Row. So anytime, I mean, everybody came through this place. It was, mm-hmm. it was really cool. So, I mean, um, I mean, I'll, I'll give a spoiler alert of the conversation today. Like Dave Grohl and Butch Vig once walked into this bar as we're playing, you know, like it was a yeah. wild place uh, where, you know, uh, it's just, it, it's, it, it was, it was wild. And that's where, uh, this is where it all kind of started. My life kind of began when I, when I uh, moved over here to Nashville. Very cool. How, and you yeah. said you've been there, what, 10 years? Yeah. A decade. Yeah. We'll find out if it's a 10 year town here shortly, I guess. I guess I got, uh, there you got go. this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was going to, I was going to say, so on Spotify, you got a number of collaborations, um, outside of, of the, uh, the song that you did with Eric. Um, I got to say that I, I dig the song with Leah Blevins. Yeah. Leah um, Blevins. So I, I discovered her a couple of years ago with her cover of Neil Young's Heart of Gold and uh, God Help Me, great song from her. This is on 
one of my playlists from a few years ago. Um, and I'm digressing, so I'll shut up. No, that's uh, great. You, you can did- talk about Leah as much as you want. She's, she's a dear friend. Uh, she's, she dates one of my best f- brother friends and they live like a block away. So awesome. I'm, I'm obsessed with her. She's like a, uh, she's a transcendent spiritual wonder of a person and singer from Kentucky. Yeah, and she just yeah, talks. She like definitely this. has she's that draw. Yeah, she just and uh, whenever we recorded that song, Marjorie, she came to the studio, which we actually recorded at uh, a guy named Ken Coomer's place, who was the uh, Wilco's original drummer, and he's just like one of the coolest yeah. people. And he produced all uh, like Will Hoag's old records, and okay, um, we used his house, which is in my neighborhood as well, to record. And uh, Leah showed up with a forty of a, I think it was a high life or like a PBR. And, and she just said, would you like some of this beer? And she says, I like this song. It reminds me of a John Prine song. And I was like the greatest musical compliment I've ever gotten. So I appreciate you liking that song. So who is Marjorie? Who is Marjorie? Yeah. Uh, Marjorie is a is not a real name. It was okay. a uh, it at the it was a relationship I had. You kind of stumped me there. I didn't expect this question to get just straight <laughs> up. But as I was playing at the bar losers and uh, uh, back in the day, I, I, I had a uh, romantic encounter that lasted about nine days with a. A uh, fellow artist uh, who is a country singer, and she uh, she was Marjorie. She she blew me away, and then she disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're yeah. not naming names. You're not kissing and telling. It's well, a- you know, I it, it doesn't really matter because she's amazing. <laughs> I would, <laughs> uh, but I'll 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 leave it anonymous. But you could you, you can maybe make some guesses. Okay. Did Tim tell you to ask me that? No. This is no. amazing. He usually does, which is funny. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was like the, it was the most whirlwind. It was kind of like a reverse Julia Roberts movie where I was the bar singer and there's just like, st- <laughs> uh, and there's like this, you know, star singer. Is, person. There, is there a Notting Hill somewhere in Nashville? Uh, yeah, it would probably be like uh, behind winners where I would uh, smoke pot <laughs> or we would. Um, yeah, so 
Uh, but Marjorie, it's it's a fa- my favorite song I've ever written. So I appreciate you saying that. I really there's something whatever like I like about words. I, I like I did it in that song, um, yeah. which is a good feeling. Which I don't sometimes it it rarely happens like that. You know, so usually yeah. they have to grow on me a bit. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so so usually I can do research on our guests. Um, that I'm not super familiar with, but you don't have much info out there. Like, uh, your, your Spotify profile has no bio info. And, um, so let's, let's get to know David Bournet. So, so you, you said you grew up in Baton Rouge. I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Correct. Born there. Okay. Uh, college, college, Louisiana state university. Oh, LSU. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I ha I have to I have to tell you that I am uh, I'm married to a diehard Gator fan here uh, in it's Florida. Okay. You know, I got nothing but love. I think okay. like sports people that are like love and I'm like uh, well, I can get into the religion of LSU football a little, but like people that love sports, especially like a specific sports, like as college football is pretty specific. Like I feel like me and your wife probably have a ton in common, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like, and then, and then, but it gets broken because, like, you don't like a different te- the same team. I don't get it. Like, I think, I think every sports fan should be f- a friend, you know. Well, I think, I think you'd have to just build on the the shared hatreds. So you guys yeah. hate Alabama. So we both hate Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it tends to work. Right, and we absolutely hate Alabama. Yeah, so. we don't really like Georgia either, but we hate Alabama. No, lot. we hate Georgia too. I know y'all hate yeah. Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but I went to LSU. My dad is the uh the voice of Tiger Stadium. He he, he does uh, all the uh-huh. PA announcing in Tiger Stadium. Uh he's been doing it since 1986. So I grew up at the the church of LSU football. Um, there you go. That was my uh that was a very important thing growing up. And it's still, I mean, not not to me emotionally like I've managed to detach from it a bit, but I enjoyed this last season a lot. Uh, but just the town of Baton Rouge, it very much, uh, you know, college, the, the team is the pulse of the town. Um, yeah. And at Gainesville, you know, similar, I'm sure. But uh, it's 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 an amazing uh, it's an amazing thing down there. Absolutely, it's a way of life. All right, first record, first record you ever bought. With your own money, with my own money, yeah. Uh, Bush sixteen stone Walmart. Okay. Yes, but the first records I ever had were August and Everything After and uh, Green Day Dookie uh, that my friend had gifted me. Uh, uh, just he had given them to me. I was yeah. born in eighty three. Just to put, just we're getting all this. Yeah, and the yeah, round the round thing. Yeah, you're still a pup. These you're were the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still a pup. Uh, first concert. The first one that had an – my dad brought me to some concerts as a kid that I don't really remember. Um, like we saw uh, like we saw Tina Turner once like at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, but I don't remember it. The first one I truly like remember that impacted me was Better Than Ezra uh, at a live festival in Baton Rouge at like – I think I was a freshman in high school, so this must have been like 98 – they're Louisiana oh. darlings there. Yeah, they were I was obsessed with them and I, yeah. I, I they were my they were they were they were actually uh, I thought about some of their records when we were when I was thinking about these records because those were very big in my just emotional musical development. I'm on uh, board. 
Yeah, yeah I love I've, those guys. And, I've, I've, uh, I've, one of my best friends is a huge better than Ezra fan. So he talked me into going to see them when they were on the bill with bare naked ladies and they were so much better than bare naked ladies. Like, and they only, but they only played like 40 minutes. Oh, wow. And, and so I was like, all right, next time they come close to town, we're going to go. Cause I want to see a full set. And like six months later they came back full set and it was fantastic. So oh, awesome. I get it. I would, uh, I, I can't even count the times I've seen them at this point. I mean, I would go see, I saw them yeah. on my 18th birthday at, you know, house of blues, new Orleans with my girlfriend. And like, I just, I loved them. And then when I was in college, I got to, uh, I got to jump up on stage with them to play this time of year, which is one of like their big acoustic songs. They would, they yeah. would pull up a fan to do it, uh, for years. And like when I was a freshman, I was with a tall friend and, uh, drunk enough to not be scared and he was like pick this guy and i went up there and did it and it was uh it was one of those like first moments to feel like a rock star and a sold out hometown show Very good. Very it was cool good. it was nice. yeah they had a big uh they had a big influence on me all right last last time you cried listening to a song last time i cried listening to a song was uh yesterday um listening to uh never mind oh really yeah okay which song? I had a kid moment, you know. Um, yeah, it was it was drain you, um, and it was it was like a very nostalgic moment. It was yeah. like a nostalgic moment. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, I get that. I totally get that. I, I one of the reasons I don't listen to this record as much as I love it is because it does make me it does make me sad when you start to think because I mean there was a line in a movie where this guy tell you know where. This person tells this other person, if I had never met you, I would miss you. And that always reminds me, Kurt Cobain is one person who I I sometimes get sad when I think of what, because he, he was just kept getting better and better. Like the stuff on In Utero is, it's, it's not as raw, but it's so much more advanced. Like he's getting better and better. Uh, yeah. And I, I yeah. so I sometimes will, I get very sad that, that I, I miss what he didn't do. Oh man, that's beautiful. That's that's very true. I had that same thought um, today. Like, just I, I I did never mind, you know, and ranked it at all. And then I, t- I today I just spent mostly as like a Nirvana day, um, as I, I procrastinated kind of doing all this as I do everything. <laughs> um, Why I became a musician, uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in utero is such an advancement and like all. It, and in, I mean, and in songwriting and in lyric, lyrically, you know, I think it's it's a stronger record. Um, not to like, not to no, not to spoil anything about. It. I mean, Nirvana. I mean, never mind is what we're going to talk about. But in Utero, I agree. He 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 made leaps and bounds as, as a musician in between those records. Um, and I, I can't imagine what he would have done. You know. Yeah, to- totally agree. I I was listening to In Utero earlier today, so. It's, it's so good it's yeah i mean not not to like just straight up yeah come out and say it, but like it's a better record as a record goes i mm-hmm. think like uh, after like it, it's tough to take the not to already jump into it but it's just hard to take the nostalgia factor away from Nevermind a bit i tried to pull it out but I, I don't know if i did or the emotional like hit but like listen to it objectively like in utero it's just i mean it's it's inc- it's incredible yeah. But it, but right. yeah, but I mean I think Nirvana or Nevermind has it it has a 
there's a different place for it because it totally it just changed everything. I mean, when you think of what was on the radio and what was popular and it just completely destroyed that and changed popular yeah, music totally, totally. single-handedly. How about you, totally. Wayne? When was when was the last time you cried listening to a song? Every time I listen to uh, Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own by U2, which sometimes I put it on on purpose and it does it every single time I cry. Yeah. Yeah, I can't listen to that one without crying. Ben, you got one? You, you, can we flip this on you? I, I do, actually. It was... <laughs> Not not to bring it full circle back to alternate roots, but their their last single that they put out, if I ever, oh if man, you wa- if you watch Good that one. video, man, it's it's uh, it gets you. So that song destroyed me. Oh, it's, it's so, good. so good. Like my, I put it for my sister when I was down in Louisiana, and uh, and like I think she's best. She's like, how is this not being seen and heard everywhere? Like. <laughs> Exactly. And I had the same thought. And it's so, it's profound. It's just profoundly beautiful. Yeah. Um, before that, so not not to plug a, uh, another previous guest, but Wayne, did you listen to Matthew Ryan's cover of um, the Belinda Carlisle song, uh, Heaven on Earth? I have not. Oh, you'll, you'll cry. You'll absolutely cry. Uh, all right, so there, there's one you got to go check out as well. Oh, that's good. I already cried to the alternate root one, roots one, so I made a note to go listen to this one. Yeah, it's, I love heaven as a place on earth. That's a great. Oh, song. the 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 cover that he does to it is just it's amazing. All right, so I told you that I watch your uh, your Instagram live. Uh, first of all, I have to say, I'm super jealous of your hair. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the fact that you can get away with uh, wearing a button-down shirt and only have the last two buttons buttoned. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that if I go to a David Bournet show, uh, live show, I'm guessing that like 90% of the audience are women. Um. Yeah, I don't, that's it. That's a, I wish it was, it was like that. <laughs> but there are, uh, there. it's pretty split. It's pretty split. All right. um, I don't, I don't I consider myself like a, a, a sex similar. I've never taken my shirt off on a stage or anything. Um, but that makes it good. It's good to hear you say this. It made me feel good. All right. All right. The music from last night. So you covered Tracy Chapman's fast car. Yes. Fantastic. It, it's just, a. it's one of those songs. It, it's like, cutting through the humanity of like Tracy Chapman's Tracy Chapman to me, like just cause I'm the only example I know to use. It's like that song cutting through to like a Catholic school kid from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, kind of the same thing with Nirvana. Like they share this, like this universality of, of emotion that like, I like have no, I like Tracy Chapman, like this or the, you know, the protagonist in that story, like that life of that person. Like I have, I have no, like I've, I have no idea. I have no perspective of like, it's of that right. life. Like it just, but you can hear the emotion of yeah, that, exactly. that. But you feel it. You, you felt yeah. something, you, you feel it so, so intensely. Um, and like I said, I wish I could pull up, uh, 
have a picture of it somewhere, but the American songwriter write up on that song, which I mentioned last night, just about the impossibility of like a six and a half minute song with, uh, you know, a thousand words, uh, becoming a hit in 1989 from a, a black yeah. female, you know? Um, Oh, I bought the, strange, I bought so the Kasingle. The Kasingle? Yeah. That was yeah. another record on the list where I was thinking, that's, you know, and then Revolution, just so good. But, um, yeah, Fast Car is one of the songs I'd covered my uh, my whole life when I was playing in, in bars, covering music. I got away with, like, being a cover singer, but, like, only playing songs I liked. It was, like, a magical uh, little – it was a it was a score. Um, and I would play Fast Car a lot, and I realized recently that I, I'd played – I'd played it wrong for uh, 15 years. And so I've been working on it. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's a, it's a four one, not a one four. Like what? Oh. And, uh, you know, it's like, I, I think I've just played some, so, so many songs for so long. I just never listened to the original again, you know? Yeah. Or enough to like learn it anyway. So last night was, I wanted to play it and just to like wash away 15 years of playing it wrong in the yeah. bar yeah. and to feel it again. We had, um, so an upcoming guest kind of put it in our lap of, all right, you, you guys pick because I can't decide. And so she, she threw out their Indigo Girls first record, Tracy Chapman's first record, or um, you pick by, you know, from Cheryl Crow. And Wayne, Wayne said, let's, let's do Globe Sessions by Cheryl Crow. Would so so would you have would you have gone Tracy Chapman solo record or would you have gone Cheryl Crow Globe Sessions? I I think I would have gone Indigo Girls actually. Yeah. Okay. I had two older sisters, um, who one played piano, one played guitar, and uh, my they both loved the Indigo Girls. Like, uh, and so they introduced me to. Uh, the first record. Um, and then like, really just like, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't know. I just love, uh, so many other, like really it was more songs than records, I guess. So like, I wouldn't be very good at like talking about Indigo girls record. Um, yeah. but I would have liked to like gone to just like Im- immerse in it. Um, because their songs, uh, their song called ghosts song called uh, mystery. Like these songs were like ingrained in me as mm-hmm. a kid. And some of the, like, probably the greatest, like that song Ghost is the greatest, some of the greatest lyrics I've ever, I've ever heard. All right. So since we're talking about Indigo Girls, so what is your opinion of their cover of the Dire Straits song? I like it. It's, I'm just such a, uh, that, that, that song, the recording of, of Knopfler and them doing it, like it just, it's too, it's too good. Like I can't. I like the cover of it. It's good. I'm talking about um, Romeo and Juliet. I yeah, could, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the cover of it, uh, but I and my sisters would play that on guitar. But like that Dire Straits doing it. Like I, I don't like. I think uh, Edwin McCain did a cover of it too. I just love yeah. the Dire Straits version so much that you know all the other versions are good. It's a great song. You know, the Killers. Killers have done yeah, a version of it. Oh, did they? Yeah. I would like I to see that. I don't really love it. Yeah, I don't really love the Indigo Girls version. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Like it's, my wife and I have a ongoing debate every time she plays that record because that's one of her go-to records. Uh-huh. And every time she plays it, I'm just like, "Oh God, <laughs> please don't make me listen to that." 
That's hilarious. Uh, Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits, the recording of it, is just such a... Sparse. It's a unique masterpiece. Yeah, and the guitar and the beats. um, All the covers miss the beats. Like, I don't know what the beats are, but... And like, if you try to cover that song, it's like, it's damn near impossible. I mean, I've tried it. And it's like, oh, wait, you you can't do it because all the timing of it is so peculiar. Um, and the right. chord changes in within the timing. Um, I'm obsessed with that song. I've I've led us down a path. Sorry, I do that. <laughs> I do that almost every episode these days. I just we start talking about great songs, and I just uh, oh, were we supposed to talk about Nirvana? Um, all right. So last yeah, I think, thing I think on Tracy the Tracy Chapman led us here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The last thing on the Instagram live was you also covered Nickel Creek's When You Come Back Down. Yes. Which which is just an amazing song. We did an episode um a couple months ago with the with striking matches. Oh, and awesome. That, and that's the record that they chose. So uh, uh yeah, that's just another one of my favorite songs and that's great. Uh my sister in law it's her favorite song that, and my, my brother's wife. Is that my sister-in-law? Uh, yeah. yeah. So she, uh, she, it's her, uh, it's her favorite song. And, um, her parents actually just found out they have the, uh, they've got the COVID, although they're, uh, they're doing okay. Um, I think they're on the up and up. So yeah, I was playing that for her last night. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, one last question before we transition to the record you chose. So, um, okay. We're eventually going to retire this, but uh, it's been a couple episodes since I asked to guess this. So, Toto's Africa, good or bad song? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say good. I'm I'm gonna say good. I I listened to the other episode. I I forgot about this question, but and I know most people are anti, but there's something about that flying chorus that just gets me every time. I like it. No, most people are for. Yeah, well, the alternate roots episode. It seems like I think it was mostly against, but yes. I'll, fight, I'll I'll stand for Toto. I mean, <laughs> what what are they? They're not hurting anybody. Not Plus hurting that uh, Toto's one of those bands that like my like dorkiest musician friends love Toto. I feel like <laughs> like they've got the Toto like live DVD. Like two drummer <laughs> friends of mine have had the Toto live like. At like live concert DVD yeah. and like be on at their house sometimes when I go over there. Um, so I like respect that people, <laughs> that people like Toto and, and also Africa has that crazy, uh, uh, time signature thing in the verse, yes. which I think is also kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so David, tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit. I chose nevermind by Nirvana. Perfect. Um, this is the, their second studio album came out in September of 1991, was put out on a major label Geffen records. And that was because, uh, Kim Gordon of Sonic youth essentially said, you need to sign them. Uh, production is Butch Vig, which you already mentioned, uh, earlier. And it was also the first record of Nirvana's to feature, Dave Grohl, who you also mentioned. This this kind of blew my mind. So I, I knew that it was big. Uh, knew that it eventually was a number one hit record uh, album. And then, of course, you know, lead single was a top 10 hit, w- which we'll 
talk about and had a couple other singles, but how many, do you guys know how many millions of copies this has sold? Oh, it's gotta be 25. It's something crazy. Is it like, I think I read 15 platinum, but that was in America or that was in the U S yeah. Worldwide 30 million records. Oh my God. Um, which, which when you, when I think of Nirvana, I mean, Wayne, when I think of Nirvana, I'm thinking, I'm thinking 1989 before I left to go on my mission for, for my church and bleach had just come out. And this was still, this was still the garage band, like one step up from being a garage band. Um, but was getting a little bit of love on, you know, KGRG and there wasn't an alternative station quite yet in Seattle. But, um, and then I get home in September and this is what everybody's talking about. So Seattle then finally gets a alternative radio station. The end, you know, Marco Collins is, is playing the crap out of this, this record. And it just kind of explodes so it's crazy um we talk about the rolling stone top 500 songs of all or uh, albums of all time uh any guesses where Nevermind stacks up in the equation uh, top 10 i would think top 10 or 20 uh number 17 and it is just ahead of born to run and wow. Astral Weeks from Van Morrison is 19 and Thriller is 20. I threw this out on the Twitter. Let me go check the Twitter really quick because I, I, I threw out a poll question and said, what, what album do you think is more influential? Nevermind or Twitter. So give me one second. I'm going to pull this up. <laughs> Wait, um, never mind or Twitter. Nevermind or Thriller or Twitter. I'm sorry. Did I say Twitter? <laughs> you said Twitter, but see, you meant Thriller. Is, yeah. yeah the, see, that's that's what happens when I try and multitask. Uh, thriller or Nevermind. All right. So we've got 46 votes, and Thriller is leading 61% to 39% for Nevermind. I guess it just depends on who's who you're, who who's being asked the question. Yeah, so I threw that threw it out, and I said, "Do you view Nirvana's Nevermind or Michael Jackson's Thriller more important in the grand scheme of music history?" Okay, that's a good way of putting it. Because I mean, they're way different records. I mean, Thriller is, you know, that's pop music, and then you've yeah. got Nirvana, which you know, it's, it's it's rock. It's but it became pop. That's what I think. That's I think where it makes itself more important is this isn't this wasn't what would have been considered pop music. And then if it weren't for them, yeah, it forced, I mean, it was pop music. This was played on top 40 stations. Um, so it changed what was being played on the radio. I think this song has always been to me ever since I've heard it. One of the most important songs. And I think the most important song in rock and roll is Johnny be good. The second one is the Rolling Stone satisfaction. And I would put this third as far as what it did and how important it was and how, what the impact that it had on things. Okay. I could buy that. Speaking of Johnny B. Good, well, we can get there, but I, I picked up some Johnny B. Good and breed when we were listening. 
like the uh, oh, the like verse that, that that verse guitar lick um, that he just kind of like rips on. Yeah, uh, he well, it, he, it reminded me a lot of Johnny Be Good, or it, it played on it a bit. He rips uh, rips off a few people on this album. So great, the genius is steel, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. There you go. All right, uh, but it also did, and uh, I believe that this knocked Thriller off the Billboard number one, right? That Nevermind did, it, like for all thrillers. time. No, it ended its reign at the time. Like uh, that Thriller was number one for like you know, weeks and weeks, like you know, tens and tens of weeks, and then Nevermind knocked it off. Uh, it's a good album comparison, I think. I don't think that because Thriller would have. Wait, wait, wait. Was it? Was it was like no, 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 no. Sorry, not Thriller, but it was. Uh, it was Michael. It was. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Dangerous. It was dangerous. Yes. Or it was a. Da- yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he knocked off. Knocked, knocked off Michael Jackson. Not Thriller. Yeah. There you go. Um. So yeah, like just where well, you were saying they became, you know, pop. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. All King right. In the mouth. Let's uh, let's dive into each of the songs because uh, I know we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of talk about uh, each of the songs and and whatnot. Uh, just as a reminder, what our scoring is, it's based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Uh, Thirteen because of the hidden track. The hidden track. Yep. So top song is going to get 13 points. Nick's favorite, 12 points on down to lowest score of one. Let's kick this off. Here is Smells Like Teen Spirit. figure out what sound clips we're going to use for each of the songs. And this was never in question what I was going to use because it's like, you can't put a sound clip of this song without that opening riff. Right. Like I would just, I feel like that would just be not being true to the song. If I didn't use that as, as the, as the clip. So Included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of songs that shaped rock and roll. Um, 2004 Rolling Stone ranked Smells Like Teen Spirit is ninth on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Here's what I... Uh, so let me just go through the, the, the chart position. So on the Billboard Hot 100, peaked at 6 mainstream rock chart peaked at seven of course it was number one on the alternative songs chart um 
Did you guys know that there is a dance club remix of this? <laughs> no. I did not. Uh, number 14 on the U.S. dance club songs and number 27 on the U.S. hot dance electronic songs. Wow. So there's, there's, wow. So there's also an instrumental version of that. Jelly um, Bean or Shep Pettibone? Who did that? I, I don't I don't know, but I refuse to go listen to it. I, I, just, <laughs> I don't think uh, I want to hear it either. I don't want to never enter in my ear hole. That uh-uh. is not. Uh-uh. Um, and if anybody sends me a link to it, um, I'm going to completely unfriend you. <laughs> what do you guys have to say about smells like teen spirit? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the most, I say, I think it's one of the most important songs in rock and roll. Um, it, it not only is it just, like I said, it, it just changed what was happening. Um, I mean, like I say, it's opening, Riff is right up there with Chuck Berry's, you know, and Johnny Be Good and Keith Richards on Satisfaction. You know what's about to happen when you hear it. Um, it does. Ha- I love the story, too. That's another thing about it is it has a great story. Um, Kathleen Hanna wrote, Kurt smells like teen spirit on the wall. At, he was dating uh, Toby Vale from Bikini Kill. And he, and according to my the sources that I read, he had no idea that it was in reference to her deodorant. So he wrote this song, you know, with all this revolutionary punk rock anarchy when it was, you smell like your girlfriend's deodorant. It's just brilliant. <laughs> so good. You can't, you can't make that up. Everything's a song is a is a quote. And, you know, one of my favorite like songwriter mentor told me told me once, which. Here's living proof, you know, writing smells like teen spirit on the door. Kurt smells like teen spirit. I read that same story. I loved it. Yeah. Um, this, it's hard to even like l- listen to this as a song, like, because it, it, it feels like it's just transcended all everything of time and space. Um, it, when the drums kick in, it's so epic. Like, the sound, um, the, it, it introduces like so much. It's like, we learned so much about Kurt Cobain in the song. Cause all these, you know, these contradictions lyrically and these dichotomies and, you know, half of it, you can't really understand. And it didn't matter. You know, like I, I read a, a bunch of like, he got a bunch of shit that, or, but excuse me, uh, got a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, slack for you know they couldn't understand the words couldn't understand the words and they had to like you know they made a, one version of a video with lyrics and all this stuff and you know when I first heard this song I was probably in uh, you know I'm I'm a little younger so when all this was happening I missed it um, when I became a teenager you know 13 uh, this would have been around 96 uh, so you know Kurt had already passed Uh but hearing this song, it's like you don't know what they're saying, but you you don't care because you know you feel the same. You feel the same way, uh, and all these you know these you know these turns of phrase and these ironies and um, you know lyrically, I don't think I connect with Nirvana like I became like a linear songwriter and ended up liking like you know words uh, and like uh, different kinds of songwriting, I guess than. But like this hit me as like uh, as like chanting almost like you know prime uh, primal like 
native chants or like a Buddhist, you know, screams, like all, all these, you know, it's just sound, you know, and it just hit, hits you. It still does to this day. It's, it's amazing. And just, you know, soft choruses or soft verses to loud ass choruses. <laughs> yeah. That, that rock you. So by, by, by yay or nay, how many of you have ruined your voice from shouting denial along with oh, this song? Yeah. Not recently, yeah. but yeah. I, in 90, Not recently. In, in 92, 91 and late 91 and early 92. Yeah. This, this record, I, I say I've mentioned my five disc uh, pioneer carousel. This, this record <laughs> has this CD along with Soundgarden, bad motor finger, Pearl Jam 10, the single soundtrack, and Alice in Chains facelift spent the most time in that thing uh, far and away. Uh, he created, like I say, he, you weren't a homer at all. Uh, that, it was so awesome to have the center of music come to your hometown. It was, it, it really, everybody felt so cool. We were just walking around like we own the That's world. That's so cool. But he created, like I say, he, how old? I, I was t- 21. But like you had mentioned, he oh, creates much more of a feeling than he does, than he really tells you anything. Like it feels like anarchy and revolution and and angst all in just because most of this, I mean, Mosquito and Libido, they rhyme, but I don't think there's any connection to them whatsoever. And I had read something where David Dave Grohl said, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in people trying to decipher, interpret Kurt Cobain's songs because he said, I saw him sit down five minutes before we recorded and scribble a bunch of words on a paper. He goes, I find it hard to believe that something went into everything. And I think when you read it, then you read the lyrics, he really much more captured a, a feeling, uh, a lot of times I'm assuming on the inside of him, that seemed to be what was also on the inside of me and a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And in like... Uh, to and then eventually to to me as like you know years after you but as a 13 year old in Baton Rouge Louisiana who's like I feel angst this is this is it and how how crazy that is i mean it's in, it's crazy i mean it's it's just elemental universal everybody relatively feels trapped you know and he felt he had to feel way more trapped and angsty than any, uh, any of us and kind of like suffered for us, you know, um, which it seems uh, obviously, you know, he had a, a lot of, a lot, a lot of demons and troubles and, um, it's, it, it, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, everything you said, I, I think in a uh, mosquito libido, I think it, all these are just opposites, you know, uh, the whole song is just like these, uh, contradictions yeah. you know mosquito and his, his huge his huge libido you know the, the uh, lights out it's less dangerous yeah <laughs> yeah it, there's yeah there's all it's a ton of contradictions that just create this uh, just like i say this whole just anarchy like just ever just yeah frantic manic anarchy and it runs through the whole uh, the whole record. I feel like I mean, oh, yeah. we'll get to the other songs, but in lyrically, like how he worked, he was quirky, like he was kind of goofy. Um, as much as everyone, you know, he was sad. It's and and, and like kind of you know manically serious uh, a lot of the times. I, I feel like there's a there's just a lot of like backhanded humor, you know. 
or backdoor humor here. Yeah, you definitely had a style. And like I say, that's one of the things that I think to me, it culminates on heart shaped box, which I think is that possibly my favorite Nirvana song, but it's, when you listen to it, it, it's very similar. It, it, and he has a style, but he's just got, he just, just was refining it into this very sharp point. Yes. So I don't put a whole lot of credence in, in the lyrics, but when he does, when he does throw out some of these uh, one-liners, they're they're pretty awesome and pretty memorable. So, yeah. Also, uh, uh, that the guitar solo ending is is epic. Like he hold the, the ring and the, the the ring and the guitar solo going through the whole last verse. Uh, yeah. And that just was, reminded really me of two cool. things about the video that that I watched today that I never really I guess I never noticed the one where Dave Grohl wears a scream shirt which was the band that he was in before joining Nirvana and then I forgot how hilarious it is when Kurt does that he does that mocking uh, finger tapping thing in one part of the video he gets way up on the on the neck towards the head and starts like pretending like he's, uh, yeah, like he's ripping like, like a, a complete like, like he's ripping a metal solo yeah like just at what he's yeah, about hilarious. to destroy he just is making he's just making fun of him as he's doing it hilarious it was, it was a contained solo, a contained solo like it, he does it on come as you are too where he just he just does the verse melody which is uh which is just a, that's interesting all right let's get some scores on this wayne what do you got eight all right and david uh, 10. All right. I'm matching your 10. Next song is In Bloom. This would end up being the fourth and the final single from the from the album. Um, mainstream rock chart number five, uh, UK singles chart number twenty eight. I didn't see anything where it charted on the 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 Hot one hundred, so didn't see anything on that. Um, the music video won best alternative <laughs> video at the ninety three MTV Music Awards. You know back when they used to play videos i i completely forgot that's the guy from people's court too that's introducing him i think oh okay yeah. i haven't watched it that's, forever uh, i watched a, a, a little bit of it uh today too it was it's great it's like you know play on the kind of the ed sullivan that's yeah. really good um do we put any credence in any of the he likes to shoot his gun. Is that a, is well, that a you know what? And metaphor? I never, the first three songs, I'll have a gun reference. I never, until I read the lyrics, I never realized there was one in smells like teen spirit. Obviously this one and come as you are, are a little more prominent, but those give me like send chills at the back of my spine. Now 
the first line is load up, load up on your guns or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I never, I, you know what? I for whatever reason, I never caught that. I never. Okay. It's not a. It's not a song you need to know the words to. It, it never has been anyway. Just you just need to know the big ones that everybody knows. Right. Uh, but this one's a little very similar in the sense that it's he's much more trying to create a feeling more so than try to tell you anything. But the lines that I did pull out of it, like the, I think the second line is weather changes moods. Anybody who's been to Aberdeen, it is, it's called, it is in Grays Harbor County and they call it that for a reason. I have never been there in that town on a sunny day. Uh, that has to wear you down. Wow. There's just no way. There's a reason why, Wayne, that I live in Florida and not Washington. <laughs> because my wa- we, we lived in Washington for a year. If you remember, we lived in Spokane, which is a little different animal than Seattle-Tacoma. But we lived over there for a year. And I basically told her, I said, give it a year. If you don't like it, we'll move. It was pretty much a year to the date that we moved. Um, because, because she just <laughs> did not... She didn't like the fact that the sun, there are some days where the sun just does not shine. It just doesn't. And it becomes, and it becomes gloomy. So you've been, uh, you've gone to the ocean and gone through Aberdeen. It's like, it's, it can be sunny here in, you know, in, in Tacoma, it can be sunny at the ocean. But when you get to Aberdeen, (laughs) it's 55 and gray and not raining, but it's going to rain soon or it just rained. Right. Right. Every day. Yeah. I've never been. Uh, so I, I'm like, I'm like the most random person to be talking about uh, Nirvana. It's like, yeah, I've never been to Seattle. Don't, no. You'll yeah, get, you'll get been. there eventually. I will get there eventually. Uh, this song, I think, uh, you know, lyrically in this one would be one of the songs I think he has the most to say and that he's really just, and I'd read that he, he had, he had written this song for like, people who didn't get his music but were starting to like it like uh he hated like that testosterone up male was basically like his least favorite thing um yeah and you know just saying like and, and actually read that it was a specific one of the biographers biographers like said it was a specific reference to like another uh musician and and uh in seattle but i always like even as a kid i remember like singing i had like a friend who would, who was like very, like very just straight laced friend, you know, he was like one of my best friends and he would like sing this song. He's the one who likes, other. and like, he didn't have a hard life or anything. And I would look at him and be like, you don't get this song. <laughs> and I, I was like, you're singing about who he's singing. You're, you're who he's singing about. And like, really? So was I. And like, everyone is relatively like more, uh, you know, attached and, uh, tortured and uh, than somebody else, you know. And I think it's, it's and, and, and then it literally became a song that these people sang along to because it's so melodic. Yeah. Uh, and a, just another another one of those walking contradictions that is Kurt Cobain. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The drums at the beginning are so good. It's so good. Um, huh. I, I did want to say this. So there's not a whole lot of harmonies on this record. Uh, this is one of the few exceptions. I read this about the the song. You probably stumbled on this. Um, so so Butch said that he wanted Dave Grohl to sing some harmonies on the song. Uh, I guess 
scroll kind of had some difficulty hitting some of the notes, um, but was ultimately, it, it said here, ultimately was able to sing what Vig wanted. Uh, he often, Vig often had to trick Cobain into singing separate parts so that they could uh, do a double track on his vocals. And uh, I guess for this song, so if you're hearing uh, double Cobain vocals, you're probably hearing double Grohl vocals on this as well. Yes, you definitely are. And it's so pop. I mean, this this is like really takes that like pop Beatles approach yes. of the double chorus, the first chorus, double chorus, and the second, you know, the second chorus, the harmonies come in. You know, it just keeps... They had such a, and I mean, props to Butch Vig. I mean, the production is, it's so much better than like I thought it would be revisiting it. Like it's so pop mm-hmm. and just uh, the growth. You know, it's just that wave, you know, you're riding it. You're up, you're up, you're up, you're up. Oh, and you're back down. You're up, you're up, you're up, you're up, you're up, 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 back down. And it, it, it's a ride. And um, I think that's law. I think the popness of, not not the fact that it just like became pop, but it is at its essence pop music, and its production is very pop. Although it's it's also dirty. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Anything else on In Bloom? Let me see. I took some notes. Oh, I read that Butch Vig cut out uh, a when you know they did. So they went to like they did all these recordings before they signed to Geffen. They were re- recording with Butch Vig in Wisconsin to make a sub pop record, mm-hmm. their second sub pop record and recorded like six or seven songs at smart studios in Wisconsin. And that there was a bridge that Butch Vig literally cut out of the, uh, of the tape from that session. So it would have been interesting to hear that. I thought, yeah, I wonder if it's in my deluxe. I, I listened a little bit to my deluxe version and I kind of got sidetracked with, with working. Um, I, I really wanted to hear like the original vert. I don't have the CD and or in any CDs anymore. I, I lost all mine. I wanted to order it on CD just to hear it on CD because all the internet versions, I can't tell even if, even though I bought it, it's like, I don't know. I wanted to hear it as I heard it originally, but I don't, I don't think I ever pulled that off. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is my six Wayne. Seven. And then David. 11. All right. Next song is Come As You Are. also a single uh second single from the record uh billboard hot 100 peaked at 32 mainstream rock number three alternative song number three and this was their last american top 40 hit for some reason i thought that uh heart shaped box was a, a a top 40 hit but it was not 
Um, the story on Come As You Are is uh, apparently Kurt ripped off a, the main guitar riff from Killing Joke. If you listen to 80s by Killing Joke, uh, yeah, he totally ripped it off. Um, Gordy Walker, who is the guitar player for Killing Joke, said that the band was very pissed off about it, but it's, o- but it's obvious to everyone we had two separate musicologist reports saying it was our publisher sent their publisher a letter saying it was, and they went, boo, we never heard of you. <laughs> uh, the historical thing about this is, um, is that even with Nirvana saying they'd never heard of us, they'd already sent us a Christmas card. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyways, if it, well, yeah, I even read somewhere that he was worried that Kurt was worried of really about releasing it as a signal correct. as a single because of this yep. reason, which that seems like to like knowingly copy it and not like throwing some some publishing. Yeah, seems like they should have. Yeah, we're talking know. about the, I, the the main riff. The ma- I mean, it's the main riff. I listened to it too. I mean, it, I, I mean, I'd heard this a long time ago, but it, it's very similar. Yeah. And the chorus, the chorus effect is like it, it, the the tone of it's uh, very similar to. Yeah. I've heard both those songs, and I, like I say, when I hear this riff, I I immediately think of this song. And I I'm looking at my score, and I'm just shaking my head because I love this song, and I it just I guess that's how good this album is. I just love I love all these songs. I just, <laughs> I've I just I remember listening. To, I mean, I must have listened to this record every day for, I mean, weeks on end. I wore flannel shirts. <laughs> I, wore, I had, you know, Nirvana t-shirts. I, I, I had holes in my, you know, Levi's. I just, this, I just couldn't believe that something connected to me this, this, this closely. Yeah. This is, um, so going back to what I was saying earlier, Wayne, about, uh, lyrically, this isn't super, strong um but yeah just more contradictions but i don't yeah same, same mud, same kind of blue, but i don't care yeah. and and no. lyrically <laughs> lyrically this was probably the the one album that we've talked about where the lyrics don't factor into my score hardly at all uh definitely for this because there's not a lot of lyrics to this but i'm i'm throwing the gauntlet down this is my favorite nirvana song Wow. Oh, yeah. Awesome. This is the one that's funny is I gave it a five, but this is the one Nirvana song that I can at least play a version of on the acoustic guitar <laughs> two chords. Once you learn that opening riff, then you can just play E minor and D and play most of this. At least and people know what you're singing. I, I will. Oh, that's smart. I will say this for the lyrics though, Wayne, I do think that um, they were giving a shout out to the shirt that you're wearing. So the lyric of come doused in mud, soaked in bleach. Well, you know, of course, bleach is their, is their first record that they, they put out a couple years previous to this. And I feel like the come doused in mud is probably a shout out to mud, honey. Oh, that, that, that'd be great. I'll I'd say hurry it. up, take a rest as a friend, as a known enemy. It's just, yep. it is more of the same, but it's definitely to me. I, I like I say, I'm with them. I don't, I think, I think uh, Killing Jokes is 
ripping them off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. It's like killing the eighties just isn't, isn't come as you are, you know, like come as you are. It, it is a, it's like the feeling you step into a different world in this song. And I remember the video being like them behind the water and you know, the song almost sounds like it's underwater with all that mm-hmm. chorus on the guitar yeah. and like they're swimming and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's visceral. And I'm, and also doused in mud, soaked in bleach, uh, bleach should be in their first record and their last record and ended up being, well, I guess it didn't end up being their, their last record until the, I guess more live things have come out was the muddy banks of the, uh, right. The wish Wish that live record. Yeah. Um, they've got some, which is cool live. They've got some good live records. Oh, it also, he repeats the, this is the first song I think he, or no, in bloom was, but he does the, like him being like such a circular writer, just throwing that repeating the first verse as the last verse. I noticed he did a lot, um, or I've always noticed, but he does this in come as you are as well. I didn't Um, notice that. Okay. See, I wasn't focused on the lyrics. Uh, (laughs) All right, uh, Wayne, what's, what's your score on this? I, I gave it a five, but I, I absolutely love this song. All right. I gave it an eight and same. I love it. And I, I'm surprised it's not higher. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go on record. Uh, we, so we've done, we've recorded what 120 episodes right now, Wayne, this is, this was the hardest record that I've ever had to score. Cause I, oh, I, I agree. Cause I will tell you that, um, even my two, I love. So yeah. well, I wouldn't say that, but no, I do. I, I, I do. Yeah. 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 Uh, Maybe you don't love your two, but I, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't love it. Okay. All right. What's Nick- funny is it reads really good. That's the thing I found. I did find from doing this. All right. All right. Next, we'll get there. next song is breed. Wayne, get us started on breed. Uh, this this is what being in a mosh pit sounds like. It's I like those drums are not even human. Like I can't even. I just when it's when the drums kick in, it doesn't even. I you, I think I feel like he has two extra arms. I don't even know how he's doing. <laughs> it. Um, but what I thought what, what's funny is at the core of this song. It's actually romantic. The, you know, the line about, I don't mean to stare, we don't have to breed. And then, you know, plant a house, build a tree. Like he's nervous. Like he, you know, talking to this girl and he gets his, he gets his, uh, you know, colloquialisms mixed up. It, in it, at its, at its core, it's, it's, it, it is romantic, but you wouldn't know it from this just balls out energy. This thing just (laughs) is on, it is on fire. It is, like I say, I've been in a mosh pit and that's what it sounds like inside. 
Yeah, and and looking at our scores now, I understand why um, this is your where where it is. So, because um, you and I, you and I are a little bit different, Wayne. Um, David, what do you got on breed? The track is insane. Uh, I, like you were talking about, what it sounds like to be in the mosh pit. The I love the the drums and the. Uh, this is where he just he's playing that like on the guitar like following his uh his vocal melody which is is cool i i think i let the lyrics of this one like i let them allow me to judge the song by them <laughs> like it just doesn't give me anything that there um i thought the panning on the solo was incredible and really like caused the the, the track to even take it to another level um I have it as a four. Okay. I, it's never been one of my favorite Nirvana overall songs. There you go. Um, but it's probably like the one they played live the most. Uh, every live video I've ever seen of it is just insane. Um, so I, it has, it definitely, it's got, it's got, it's, I see why someone would love it there, Wayne. And given that, Wayne, your score? 13, favorite song. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And this is my nine. All right, next song is Lithium. David, get us started on Lithium. This was the first song I ever attempted to play on a musical instrument uh, on my buddy's bass. Uh, I've always loved this song. It's my number one song on the record. Um, listening to it yesterday, and I, I'm the worst at lists. Like I should have just like uh, said this beforehand. Uh, that a disclaimer that. I am the worst at picking favorites. Like I've never do it. I'm just like, I don't have to, I don't need to do that. Like it just depends. It depends. That's always my answer. Like it depends. Um, and it would depend on this record as well. Uh, yeah. but lithium through like my whole life and just listening to it again to do this, uh, exercise. It, it's just, per- it's just perfect to me as, as, as on this record, uh, Nirvana song. I love the loungy verses and like the high, the high hat, like not or excuse me the rim shot like and he's tapping like a ride symbol dave Grohl, uh like he's like a lounge drummer and then for a guy whose lyrics you can't understand the the chorus being yeah and epic like <laughs> that anyone in the world could sing is perfect and um you know the uh, whatever the the other second chorus bridge and the it just keeps growing i love it and the music video is just kind of emblazoned into my memory of you know the first time i ever saw him jump onto a drum set and right you know not really <laughs> not really have any regard for uh bodily harm all of it just pumps me up yeah uh i failed to mention this was the third single from the record um 
number 64 was its peak on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, charted better over in the UK. This was a number 11 hit over there. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely everywhere. In fact, um, Wayne, I've I've made mention many times about how I was in a little bit of a bubble for two years while I was in Rexburg, Idaho, going to school. And uh, the, uh, the the pop stations absolutely played this song over there as well. And um, I went to a religious school. Um, and uh, I remember my roommates liking this as well, knowing that, you know, I was the, the guy from the Pacific Northwest. And uh, they're like, oh, I love that song, Lithium. I'm like, you know that Kurt's kind of making fun of us, right? <laughs> so anyways well i, I did I, it's interesting because i read the i read that that was i've always taken this i always just figured this song was about someone just uh you know doped out on something you know just kind of not caring about much and then i read that he had written it you know as a hypothetical about uh um someone who had lost their wife who picks up religion as a replacement right um and i I looked at it negatively too. When I read that, I was like, Oh, he's, he's ripping on religion. And, and uh, as a lot of people do, but then I read a quote from him that said like, you know, that it was kind of like, if that's what you need to feel that way, like if it's going to, if it, if it makes you feel like the song says like, that's fine. Or it was something like in that. And it just kind of made me feel like any, anything to get there. And unfortunately for, for Kurt, it involved like heroin, you know, and, you know, and and, and based on that religion is the opioid of the people quote. Um, but anyway, here I heard, I read a quote about it. It just didn't seem as negative as I originally, as a real, he wasn't poking as much fun as I think, uh, I thought as well. Yeah. I was probably super sensitive back then too. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not so much anymore. So yeah, yeah, I'm not either. But I was like, "Huh, what is it? What is this?" I, I enjoyed reading all these things. Yeah, that was cool. Very cool. And just yeah. these these lines, man. Who knows what they mean? But they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. You uh, you already mentioned this was your top score, Wayne. Your score. And I gave it a four, but I think there also has to go into this. Like when I was listening to this, and it's something that I've <laughs> I have done before when I get really into a band. Typically, I, I, I don't, I don't want the singles to be my, you know, that singles or whatever with, uh-huh. with the common people, you know, are, are listening to kind of a thing. Very pretentious, but I've, I think I've grown mostly out of it. But this record being from that time, it's low. I think the singles, while polished is not the word I would use, there is, I think they were picked because they are a little bit more accessible. But I, I love the use of the word lithium in the, in the title. I think that is... Uh, kind of a backhanded uh, right. commentary. And then like the, I'm not kind of crack part, like that's, you can, there's he's absolutely on the verge of cracking every time he says it, which I think is, is, is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Same. Yeah. You've definitely reverted back to your elitism and uh, <laughs> snobbery uh, and whatever you want to yeah, call it took, about this. It took me right back. Listening to this all week was was a was a joy. Yeah. It was like a time machine. Yeah. Dug out my flannel shirts. <laughs> Your hiking boots. Oh no, I, I would chucks. Yeah. All right. That's good. Uh this is my twelfth. All right. Let's go to Polly is the next song. Polly. 
wants a cracker I think I should get off her first I think she wants some water To put out the blowtorch Isn't me Have a seat Let me clear Dirty wings Let me take a ride Cut yourself Want some help Please myself Got some rope Haven't told Promise you Haven't true Let me take This is the only song that I would say where the lyrics had anything to do with my score because I always thought that it was funny. Uh, the, the opening lines of Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first. And that's, that's me totally being Beavis and butthead. <laughs> but the lines that I think that stand out, I think normally are at first glance or the blowtorch line and stuff. But when you read these lyrics, those aren't the scariest lines. Like the scariest lines are chase would be nice for a few. Um, she caught me off guard, amazes me, the will of instinct. Like, this is deep serial killer. Like, he is inside the mind of a... It, the, my score is reflected in how much the song terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, originally it was called Hitchhiker. So so if that has any bearing of uh, the... Um, if you've watched Mindhunter, for instance, uh, yeah. yeah, this uh, this is definitely one of those. Oh, Mindhunter, Dexter. I mean, this is this is inside the mind of a serial killer. Like he, yeah. like that's not a place you want to get into. I feel like you got to be careful. You can't get out. And he, like I say, this this song, it literally scares me. It's like watching Polly's Captivity. It is. It's it's horrifying. Yeah. And which just is a tribute is a commentary on what on a, an incredible songwriter because he literally is freaking me out, right? And and if this sounds a little bit different than the rest of the record, that would be because uh, I guess there were some known performances that date back to uh, like late '88, so it was one of the the the, the earliest songs on this record so if it sounds a little different that that would be why yeah it's straight from the uh those wisconsin recordings um i watched the nirvana i kind of cheated and watched the nirvana uh it was like classic records thing it's on on amazon prime so it's great because it's basically just like butch vig in front of the board and he's he's just like showing you like everything they did so he he just pulled this one straight from uh from those recordings on like they said they use like a guitar that was taped together and this is the only recording that has the uh the drummer the that predated uh dave Grohl right. hitting the uh there is hitting the cymbals in it yeah it, to me it's beautiful it's just a beautiful song uh it just sounds so so melancholy and also and beautiful uh his voice i think is so pretty on it uh i love all the guitar sounds um and the fact that, like y'all are saying, like, he, he apparently read this article about a, a girl getting kidnapped after a show and, you know, tortured and all this thing. And she eventually got away by kind of like humanizing her captor and like giving, like get caring for him basically. And he let his guard down and got away. And to, like be so moved by that to write a song 
uh, from the captor's point of view <laughs> is it's and messed to write up. it so well and to write it so well but i think he really understood that like it takes a hurt person to hurt someone like that yeah. and to like yeah. empathize with it almost, which is crazy. It, and it's, it's, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's beautifully it's dark. Yeah. And also one thing that, that also a running theme through all of his songs is like, I think because Kurt didn't really, he wasn't like uh, musically educated, you know, um, he didn't there's no keys of nirvana songs like they're in a key but because he only played like these bar chords mostly they ended up being like the first the fifth and the first and like a suspended note like none of them are really like very minor or major and i mean this song goes in the chorus that like I mean, I'm speaking music talk is probably boring to some people, but like to go from like being E minor and just be like the last note of the chorus be a B flat. It's like, what? Like, how? Because I think he just, he just played what he heard, you know? Yeah. And when you learn about music, it kind of takes that freedom away. And another reason he could make so many just sounds on top of these chords that just are, were so dissonant, but it all worked. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Wayne, your so your score? A three because it haunts my dreams. This is my eight. And then David? Seven. All right. Next song is Territorial Pissings. great title um and of course the uh, the the opening part is lyrics from the song get together that was made most popular by the young bloods bloods uh, it's not their song but it was m- most popular by by them uh and that's chris novoselic which i which i never yeah i didn't realize for a long time yeah yeah did you think that was kurt i think for the first few years i did yeah um, you like this way more than David and I, Wayne. So what's, what you got on this? Yeah. More, more of that inhuman drumming. And, uh, I love, I love the line just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. I think that is so, that's just brilliant. That's awesome. Like that's, I I've lived most of my life like that. <laughs> uh, but this is, yeah, total punk rock. This is just a frantic mess that just, that ends up sounding amazing. David, what do you got on um, territorial piss? I like this song. I think a lot more than my ranking uh, would, would, would um, lead you to believe I, uh, it, it, like you said, it's just, it's just madness. I like the lyrics, you know, um, when I was an aliens, when I was an alien cultures, weren't opinions, never met a wise man. If so, it's a woman. And then, like you said, just because you're paranoid, don't mean they're not after you. I've loved that line since I was a kid. And um, 
I think they closed. I liked how I think I was. I looked at a lot of set lists and like watched some live clips. And they closed with this song, like pretty much. Uh, I, I, mean, I think their whole last tour was we were closing with this song, um, which means it means a lot to them, which makes me like it a lot. Um, and I just love it when I hear someone's voice die on a recording and the end of this song. Like I, I feel like I would you hear that in Kurt's voice? Like I, he couldn't have sang for days after this. They they cut this. And also the only co-write on the record uh, with Chet Powers, who wrote the uh, he wrote the intro song. Yeah. I noticed that also. I was like, well, "Who is Chet Powers?" Yeah, well, and so they had to give him right. Chet Powers is the, he? Yeah, he wrote the uh, yeah. Come together. What is it? Come together. Come together. I also read that Chris was Chris was explaining why I did that, and they they just like needed something on the tape, I guess, before and. Uh, I know Kurt was plugged right into, I, I read that Kurt plugged right into the board for this. Cause they had done that on punk records and he really wanted it to be like the most punk song. And, uh, Chris was saying like he wasn't even joking. Like he really loves that song. And like <laughs> It was like, everyone thought he was kind of being ironic, but he wasn't. And he was like, I, I love that song. Yeah. It's a great song. Get together. I, I said, I said, come together. That's, that's a Beatles song. Yeah. Get, Beatles get together. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's late. It's late. Um, all right, Wayne, your score. A 10. And then David. I have a six. And this is my five. And then next song is Drain You. likes this song more than us as well um i brought up the harmony thing earlier are the harmony vocals on this is that just a kurt overdub or is that maybe dave or i don't know i don't think it no you don't know i think i, th- I just assumed it was dave but I, I don't know yeah okay he manages to sound a lot like kurt on like uh he's got a, like the timbres like very similar i feel like yeah wayne what do you got on drain you this one, if I mean, when this one lyrically does seem to clearly talk about something, I mean, it's the mother child relationship. Um, and I didn't, I felt like I should have maybe done some research to, but that may have just proved me wrong. So I just left it out. But uh, uh, there's a, the one baby to another almost sounds like a, a twin. I don't know if he was a twin, then twin didn't live, but that's at least a. Uh, of you know a visual you can take from it but then the uh the line about uh was it i'm lucky to to, i'm lucky to have met you it just there's a lot of lines in it unless uh i don't care what you think unless it's about me that center of of your young mother's attention you know uh and then the affection um the, the traveling through the tube obviously i mean just he's he's being much more i guess specific um, and a little bit more easy to interpret, I guess. But he he stayed on the same what seemed like the same subject for the whole song, but yet he still didn't change his style, um, either lyrically or musically. Yeah. And then that scream that just comes out of anywhere that it breaks. There's like a break in the middle, an instrumental break, and he just leaves it by screaming out of nowhere. <laughs> which was 
I don't understand most of the lyrics to this, so I. Oh no! But this one's easy. Come on, you can't. You gotta. You. I mean, the, the whole baby birding thing. Chew your meat for you. Pass it back the, and forth. I get that. How mother birds feed baby birds. I get that. But even but travel the, through the tube, like coming out of your mother's. Uh, okay. Well. Vagina. Well, and then they end up in your infection. Which, when he says it, it, it it's it even almost sounds like he he means to say affection. But there's. There's clear, you know, you taught me everything without a poison apple. You didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to trick me or bribe me. There's, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot, it's easier to decipher. So the fact that you say you can't is, is what's frustrating. The water is so health, so yellow. I'm a healthy student, indebted and so grateful. Vacuum out the fluid. What is it? He's, he's a kid. He's a baby. All right. I, I mean, I'll kind of, I guess, defend Ben a little bit here <laughs> in that I've, I've never looked, I always thought it was, a, I thought of it as a love song, um, between like as a romantic song, which now, you know, I'm questioning everything. Um, <laughs> but I always looked at it like that, you know, uh, just kind of like a relationship kind of being like like two babies basically like you become this like these kind of self like especially like when i'm thinking of kurt you know he's like a teenager writing these songs or like young early 20s um and like you just become like when you just like have that infatuation there was a, a huge problem with teenage pregnancies in the 90s and i are and even before that and i'm just thinking that's the that's the angle that i look at it from i see that i can see that one baby to another I so see it. i um, see it Ben, this is all Ben's okay. fault. No, I'm not. I mean, I just have always looked at it. I have no idea. I mean, I, I've always, you know, one baby to another says I'm lucky I met you. I didn't realize um, I touched such a nerve. Sorry, man. And I looked at the, uh, but like also here, we're about to get into like dissecting Kurt Cobain lyrics, which is like, and that's, that's a, that's a bottomless pit. So <laughs> um, slippery slope. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, but I also think there is a there. It, it could mean whatever you know the listener wants it to mean because I'm sure it meant something different for him every time he sang it. Sure. Uh, but, um, yeah. All right, Wayne, your score twelve. David, I twelve it too. I love it, uh, even though uh, Wayne doesn't know what it's about. <laughs> i love everything about that this has been uh one of my favorite songs uh since i had the record the harmonies uh are so good i'm like poison apple and all all those harmonies are great i love the the breakdown where they're just like uh those noises like i think i read there was like rubber duckies and stuff that they just kind of affected and there's just all kinds of crazy stuff and the end from from the end of Territorial Pissings, the transition to the beginning of Drain You is like my favorite part of the record, I would say. Very good. Just the, that one into that Territorial Pissings into Drain You. So I, I gave it a 12. Cool. This is my seven. All right. Next song is Lounge Act.
I think I know why Wayne's score is much higher than me. Is it because Kurt drops the F-bomb in this song, Wayne? No, it's um, it's actually musically it's kind of more it has it's more dynamic like it feels it it's in this weird place where it's it, it it's not so far from you know the kind of the punk rock sound of of previous but it it's it just has you know and it may just be all butch vig but it it just has a much more dynamic sound and i love and what i like about it is i and I feel like he's being a bit self-deprecating. And I say that I think he's talking about himself because he he says, I've got this friend, which anytime someone says that you immediately think that they're talking about themselves. And so that, um, that lounge act, it almost feels it's there's, there was a, almost like he was guilty about wanting, felt guilty about wanting to be famous because he, he was, you know, DIY punk rock guy. And now he, but he, what was the line is about makes me feel I wanted more than I could steal. Like I can say there's some guilt in his aspirations that I feel like comes out in this. And then of course a lounge act, you know, lounge singer, you is very cliche, very, you know, not, not super respected, I would say in the punk rock community. So I felt like he was, he was actually taking a bit of a shot at himself and talking about some of his own insecurities about becoming a rock star. I like that. It's good. All right, David. Anything on Lounge Act? Uh, that was that was a great review of the song. Like I've 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 looked into it more in the last five seconds than I have in the last you know twenty years or so. I, know, I feel like an uh, a hole with my with my score now. So, um, thanks, Wayne. I this song is the I wrote in my note. I said song most likely to appear on an Offspring record. <laughs> Um, it's, it sounds like, it sounds like it's from offspring smash. That's like what it, that original, like listen to that baseline. Um, I really love the, the, the musicality of the song. Uh, I've never known what it was about. Um, I like the lyrics. I love the screaming, the last verse and the last chorus. Uh, also I noticed just, uh, Chris's baseline is amazing in this song and I'll, I'll listening to this record so closely, realizing just how great of a moving bassist Chris Novoselic is and how he does like a lot of, a lot of movement that you don't even really notice, which means it's great. And he's very, like he bends things a lot. Like you don't hear a lot of basses, basses do, especially now it's like, you know, just lay it down, but he was just amazing. So I really enjoyed the bass uh, on this song. And there's just like crazy guitar that comes in. <laughs> if you listen like really close in headphones at the beginning of the chorus for like one note that like lifts the chorus and then it disappears. Yeah. And then it comes back in at the end of the chorus and uh, at the end of the song too. It's, it's cool. Um, that's my thoughts on Lounge Act. I've never thought about it. It was always kind of like uh, maybe a skip as a, as a listen my whole life. Yeah. All right. Wayne, your score? 11. And this, this is where I feel bad about my score. This is my two. David? I'm a fiver. Okay. All right. Next song is Stay Away.
this was originally called Pay to Play. Anybody know why it was renamed? Did we still have like payola concerns in 1991? I don't know. What's going on? Do you know why? I don't know. I'm asking you guys. Uh, I, 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 so, so I got this, this quote from Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone did like the top 40 Nirvana. And I didn't, mm-hmm. and I didn't read all of them, but I, I was like, I wonder what they would have said about this one. So here, here's from the Rolling Stone write up. It says, beyond its mosh factor, Cobain screaming about a very specific code of ethics endemic to punk that I'd rather be dead than cool and fashion shits fashion style. Too bad for them that they both that they became both, but it's still a perfect song to slam your bedroom door to. So, anyways, take that for that's I, that, I, that, I, I love that just blurb just as like another example of the contradiction of these <laughs> these lyrics and this person who like yeah. I mean, he didn't, you know, he hated like, you know, all the hair metal and stuff. And like, he hated Axl Rose and all these people. But like, I think there's so much of him, like half of him really wanted all that. And like half of him, the half of him that didn't want that really hated the half that got it. Yes. (laughs) And man, it is, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's just wild. But, but I, but I think that that's. And Wayne, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Wayne is a, is attracted to those individuals who um, they aspire to have that. They aspire to be the rock star, and then once it they start sniffing that they're in that territory, then they're like, "Oh crap, I'm turning into that." Well, I would say I would say more of I what I love are the guys who. And he's a he's a probably the best example of this. He didn't want to be a rock star, but inevitably, because he was so good at what he did, he became one. Right. right. I mean, if you it's build a better mousetrap kind of a thing. He's not he's not it. it, His intention isn't to be a rock star. His intention is to sing his songs and get people to hear him. And then they're so good. And he's tapping into to something that is, you know, no one else is 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 touching and next thing you know, he is exactly what he didn't want to be uh, of his of no of no choice of his own. Yeah. I could I could totally see Westerberg penning this song. That's the so maybe that, that's maybe the comparison early. that I've got for that's a that's a I'm sorry, Mott's got compliment. the trash. Maybe yeah. past Ma, sorry, my I take out the trash because yeah. he he this this is a but yeah I I could see I mean I don't have a. I don't have anything to contradict that. Okay. Um, I just, like I say, I gave it a high score because it's, this one is, this one's probably, I mean, it hits all the punk rock bullet points. Like he almost, he clearly has an agenda and he, and he, and he hits each one. Yeah. All right. What's, what is your score, Wayne? Nine. And then David. This was my two. This is my three. And next song is on a plane.
And that's not like an aeroplane. It's plane, like high planes drifter. Uh, Telestial plane. Terrestrial plane. There you go. Uh, this was not a single. However, it charted on the Alternative Songs. It was uh, number 25 on the Alternative Songs. Um, I don't really have any notes on this. Wayne, what do you got? Um, uh, let's see. I got there's a childlike nature to some of the lyrics, but it just sounds great. I'm on a plane. We're all we're all on a plane, which is what I th- I've always thought was funny about it when he's, he says he's on a plane. We're all on a plane. We're just not all on the same plane as you uh, are. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this song. It's uh, it was one I covered in my bar days. Uh, it's the most like uh Beatles ish poppy song. Uh, I mean, I heard, I read uh, doing my research that Kurt hates the recording of this because it's so clean. Um, but uh, I love it. I love the harmonies on it, uh, which I'm assuming are, I think, are definitely Dave's. Um, it also has a bridge that has li- that has lyrics, which is uh, very rare, especially on this record. And I think. Uh, I mean, for all Nirvana songs, the somewhere I've heard this before, that part, I love that part. And, um, lyrics are just, you know, they're fun. There's, you know, I don't know what he's talking about, but, uh, like you said, love myself better than you know what's wrong. What should I do? Yeah. Um, sounds about like getting high, you know? Yeah. So he, uh, even he doesn't know what the lyrics are. Cause he was like, as a defense, I'm neutered and spade. What the hell am I? What the hell am I trying to say? Yeah. Just, uh, Kurt being Kurt. Uh, I feel I feel like a lot of Kurt is in this song and this whimsy, and uh, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right, what's your score on on a plane, David? Uh, I gave it a nine. And then Wayne, a uh, six. And this is my four. Leads us to something in the way. This also was on the MTV Unplugged. Uh, if you, uh, that's probably my favorite Unplugged record. Wayne, I, w- I want to see why your score and my score are so different. Why, why does this not resonate with you? Um, because you can't understand him. I mean, it, what's like I said, it reads better. Like when you read it, this is a... A, uh, an unbelievably still accurate to this day depiction of homelessness um, pretty, very much anywhere in this city that there's an, an overpass. There are tarps and people living under them, but you can't, you literally can't understand what he's mumbling through the verse. Did It always drove me crazy. Did you listen to the unplugged? Cause I think that that. I'm not doing the unplugged. I'm, that's not no. I, that's not the, t- 
I know. the subject of this podcast. I understand, but when when you listen to the unplugged version, you you get more of the enunciation of the lyrics. Therefore, when you listen to this version, you understand what the words are. In my mind, but he's still mumbling. Why are you attacking me tonight? My gosh, I'm not attacking Jeez. you. It's that whole, it's that drain me comment. It's still, it's still eating at me. um, uh, I just, I guess I felt like this was a slam dunk for every, and the thing is, this was the last track on the, uh, on the original CD. Um, And then, and it's like I say, it's pace, it's pace is totally different. And it's just, and like I say, it, my biggest problem was the incoherent mumbling where he, he did write really poignant lyrics, and yet he completely muffs them. Okay. Well, I really dig this song. <laughs> and I don't care if you're going to make fun of me again. Uh, David, what do you got on uh, on this song? Um, it, it's probably always been my least favorite song on the record. Uh, but, and I it's grown on me a lot in this process. Um, one was listed. One, one reason was, uh, li- well, first the, the drums are beautiful when they come in there. It's, it's like Dave Grohl's best drumming because uh, it's so subtle. And, uh, Butch Vig uh, talked about in that documentary that they were trying to do this in the main room and it wasn't working. And then Kurt just went into the control room and laid on a couch on his back and was like, it needs to sound like this. And he just started singing it on his back. And like, so Butch just went and got mics and that's what they recorded. Um, and then Dave and Chris had to come back in and they had to record to that track, which wasn't to a click track or anything. So it's just Kurt playing all over time signatures. And like, but he wanted to use that take so bad that, I mean, they would go, you know, bar for bar to record the drums, uh, which is impossible. Like if you have to record drums to something out of time, it's like, it's impossible. Uh, but they did it and it it made me appreciate it a lot more. And the, the feeling, like you said, of, uh, um, you know, does portray that just helpless, homeless, uh, feeling. And, uh, I would, I still don't have it as a high score, but I really do. It's, it's grown on me a lot um, through this exercise and I really appreciate the song and especially the the drums and the cello. It's very pretty. Yeah. I'm going to preface my score by saying this. So for the last several days, I've been listening to the latest record by Phoebe Bridgers. So I'm, (laughs) I may be a little depressed the last couple days. And so this really snuck up on me where I I gave it an 11 because I, I I thoroughly enjoyed coming to this song once I got through you know the 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 several songs before which were a little more on the 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 punk side the more Wayne side so this song is more on the Ben side so that, that's where I'm that's where I'm at Wayne your score a uh, two and now you understand where. Ben and Wayne and our opposing <laughs> scores usually come into play for these episodes. So, um, but we can all agree on the hidden track. So this is endless, nameless.
I will say this. I had the CD back in the day. I still have I have the deluxe version of the CD. And I hate the fact that the deluxe version, that this ends up being its own separate track um, because I have to hear it. And I, I, <laughs> so the, the previous, the previous CD that I had, you know, it 10 went, minutes. Yeah. It's just 10 minutes. I don't know how long I had the CD before I knew that this track existed because 10 minutes of silence and you have already moved on to something right. else. Like I don't, I don't even know how long before I found out. And then it, then when you get to it, the payoff is something that Sonic Youth left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's Oh, uh, somebody get Wayne another drink because, man, angry Wayne is coming out. Um, no, nah, I just – I couldn't believe that it took 10 minutes and that's how they paid us with – That's a, that was hidden. It was – yeah. It'd be like if you waited to watch the the ending of the Avengers movie and it was so they redid some Three Stooges bit or something. I don't. I just. <laughs> I it just was. It was infuriating. But like I say, I don't even know how long it existed before I even knew. All right, David. So Wayne and I have gotten our vitriol out. Um, anything on this song? <laughs> No, like we were so excited when like my friends and I found out, you know, we're, look at us, we're probably in sixth or seventh grade. And like when we found out that this ex- that there was a secret track, it was like everybody get their CDs because some right. like I mean, you found out that some didn't have it. And it was just like so exciting. And we could just fast we could just fast forward the CD and and it, and we would find out, see if it was there. Um, I don't think I ever listened to the whole thing until yesterday, though. Uh, and there are some sounds man i mean there there are ways to listen to that song and some enhancements that would make it more fun i feel like um but yeah i have i got nothing it's my one you know i I got i don't have a lot to say about it yeah it's not even supposed to be a song no it's not supposed to be a track i did i did see he referenced uh her majesty uh as a reason to have it on there oh okay Uh, just to to, uh because he liked the idea of the secret song and his his Beatles, John Lennon obsession. We we keep trying to go back to the alternate roots episode, don't we? We try. Oh, we no. try. <laughs> there we go. We try. All right. This is my one, Wayne. Also a one. Yeah. All right. So this is the part where I go, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? Oh, yeah. I think we got it. All right. Any, <laughs> any, uh, any guesses on top score? Because we're all over the place with our uh, We are all I have no I really have no idea. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what it is. All right, here's our top five. First is Drain You, because uh David, you and Wayne both had that as your twelve. So that had an average score of ten point three three. Second is lithium with a nine point six six score. Third is smells like teen spirit, nine point three three. And then we've got a tie for fourth which is come as you are and breed which both got an 8.66 just missing out on the top five was in bloom which got an eight so um but i will i will say this usually on these episodes wayne we have like an average score of two we have an average score of three because um so we go from an average score of one for our least favorite 
the next lowest is a 4.66, which is stay away. So um, that just kind of shows that all three of us, I think, consume this record a little bit differently, and that's awesome. Yeah, and we don't hate anything equally except for Endless Nameless. Endless Nameless, yeah. Well, Wayne hates me because... Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not true. Give Lounge Act a higher enough score. So. That's not true. I don't have. I have no problem with your scores. David, not understanding. It shows you so much about like I like Wayne. Like I, I know you so much better now because like I know your scores. <laughs> like, see, by the time we got to stay away, like I was done with like the the screamo punk thing. By that point, I was like, okay, this this song is like one too many at this point, which is why I have it as a two. But I don't. I still love. If it had been earlier in the song listing, it might have been higher. And like that's your you you go for that, you know. Yeah. yeah. But then you also had something in the way so high along with your punk stuff, so. Which well, is kind I, of punk in and I, of itself. That was bad. I did. I, oh, that, I had it. I had that. That was my number two. Okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You're, that that's punk, Ben. <laughs> I, that is the first time ever on these episodes that somebody has called me a punk. So I, I take that as a compliment. Thank you, Dave. Oh, that's funny. No problem. Uh, all right, uh, David. This was awesome. Thank you so much, oh, yeah. you guys. Thank you so much. It, this was such a cool exercise for me to like go and i've been trying to get in touch with the kid a lot the last uh couple years and this was this was kind of like it was a good good uh meditation on it it was cool awesome. uh, i really enjoyed it and Very cool. i appreciate uh nirvana and all they did for my for my young heart and also now i, oh, I wanted to read you this my sister gave me a kurt cobain biography which i don't i think i read like three pages pages of it and he talked about it talked about like very dirty things. Like she gave it to me when I was a teenager. Okay. And it was like kind of like in the, to the darkness of like Kurt, Kurt and all this stuff. So she wrote, dear David, October 5th, 2000, may your musical talent surpass and your psychosis never approach that of Kurt Cobain. Love. <laughs> Eliza. <And> I, <laughs> I thought that was, that was a pretty good note for my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it might have ta- it might have it might take some psychosis to like to have that success you know yeah um that kind of thing but uh, i'm really grateful for y'all and you know for nirvana and the music and getting to do this this is a blast absolutely it was, it was yeah, a lot of fun for great. us thank you for picking nirvana because we've been waiting there are certain certain artists that we've been waiting for 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 people to pick so um yeah yeah yeah, I had a little bit of buyer's remorse after I picked it because I was like, and I realized just how much has been said about Nirvana, you know? Yeah. Um, and the fact that like I started reading the lyrics and I was like, I don't know, like what, <laughs> what is like? I mean, this was my this is like my soul, you know, as as when when it was, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh man, this is wild. And then to get to get to get back into it has just been uh, so cool, man. Yeah, I love it. Tell our listeners where they can find all the happenings of David Bourne. Uh, David Bourne, my last name, uh, B-O-R-N-E. It's very confusing. Um, my, uh, it's been Frenched up um, by my father, who was in the, the music business, uh, in show business. Uh, anyway, DavidBourne.com, uh, Spotify. I've got music out. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, 
like like you said earlier, you couldn't find out much about me. I like to let the mystery be a bit, at least right now, uh, until the next the next thing. So, uh, yeah, well, come find me. Send me a message. It hey, I, mystery hey, is out that's, there. That's good. That makes me that makes me feel good. There you go. It makes me feel kept safe. All right. So, last question. This is how we got hooked up with you. Um, so, who do you know that we don't know? Who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Um, I can give you all a list. Uh, I think you should talk to my friend, Rick Brantley is his name. Okay. Uh, he's an amazing songwriter. Uh, one of my favorites from Georgia. Um, he'll probably do a Bruce Springsteen record if I had to guess. He's just one of the the greatest conversations, uh, I know. And I've been seeing and talking to Rick a lot and I was thinking about him coming on to this because I knew you would ask. Perfect. Um, yeah, that would be my guy. We'll chat offline. Um, so as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. I'm on the Twitter at podcast records. You can find us on Facebook as well. Um, Wayne is doing something right on Instagram to get, you know, and get me and McCullough to, to like his posts. So you can find us over there as well. And of course you can find all of our old episodes, uh, on all the major platforms and on all those platforms, please go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Uh, I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill right now. So uh, go ch- go check out uh, go check out David Bournet and his live Instagrams. You're doing that how often? Uh, every Tuesday night, six forty-five Central, seven forty-five Eastern. Uh, we're all we're raising money for a different cause every week. It's a it's a it's a good strange time uh, to play for in front of the computer for a audience that is both not there, but very ever present in thy head. Very, Um, very good. Come join, come join me for the new normal. Right. Buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record. And I would say visit a record store, but um, you can still do that. Just please wear a mask and be socially distant. Okay. All right. We are records revisited and we are. Oh, oh, no, I got, I jumped the gun so hard. Oh, perfect. It's usually me. Love it.